guys, I did the test. I kid you not. For me, it was a most painful experience. Oh, get out. <laughs> guys, they take this Q-tip. It's a fine little Q-tip. They put it in your nose, and it comes out of your asshole. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Just Us Dads. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Dadversation. If this is your first time, head on over to YouTube, like, subscribe, do the same thing for Facebook, do the same thing for all the other social media platforms, and do the same thing for all the audio platforms. Um, George isn't with us today, but we do have a special guest. We will be getting to him in a second. Chris is obviously here. Uh, and before we start, I know what you're all thinking. You're probably thinking, where the hell did he get such a beautiful, cozy, snuggly, great-looking hoodie? Uh, <laughs> you, can head out, you can head over to our website, uh, www.justusdads.ca. Go over to the swag uh, link and get yourself some good stuff over there. Um, there's a lot more. George, I think, I, I think people are... They're probably done with their shopping. No, 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 no. There's some last-minute shoppers. Uh, I'm, I right. can't guarantee. Can't guarantee you they'll get them before Christmas. So that's the only thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, do that, uh, and uh, yeah, we will appreciate it. Um, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, Chris, who's our guest? Our guest is uh, Mr. George Zubulakis. Me and George met on the soccer field. So both of our kids play in uh, in Panelinios. And uh, we would see each other on the field. Then when we talked to each other, then we realized that we were both Greek, and that was it. <laughs> it, went, it went from that to it Metaxa. It took, it, took, it took COVID to separate us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what it was. So, yeah, it was, we, met in the, we, yeah, yeah. we met on the soccer field and became good friends. Yeah. And we've had the countless barbecue since. So uh, your kids are the same age? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they're on the same team. Actually, they're on two teams together, and my son plays for another two after that. <laughs> but yeah, so we spend a lot of time on the field. So I don't want to put you guys on the spot here, but whose kid is better? Seriously, I'll let Chris uh, answer. <laughs> what kind of question is that, man? You, our kids might watch this. <laughs> you know, our our kids are probably gonna watch this. What, what are you doing? <laughs> you see, George, George Zuby. Yeah. It's by the way, we're gonna call the bottom George Zuby. That's his nickname. Oh, yeah. I'm call George George, just not to create any confusion. Uh, yeah, our kids are gonna watch this, man, and it shows that you don't have any sons. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not gonna answer that. You know, you know what? You know what's important. They, they what's both important have fun. Is that, 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 yeah, that, that's right. They both they both have fun out on the pitch. Yeah, and that they're dedicated, and you know what? They're working towards a goal, and they're working they're in this whole team environment. They're devoted. That's they're devoted. that's what's important. Yeah. They're going to the same school this year. It's soccer gear. God help us all. So, <laughs> so 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 George, you have what? Two sons also. I have two sons. Two, oh, not also. You're the only one with two sons. Yeah, I have two sons. Okay. Uh, what's, the, what's the age gap? Uh, 16 months. We had them close. Okay, okay. So they're, practi they're, they're practically <laughs> twins. Yeah. Now, they're two years, now they're two years apart. In a couple of months, they're one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. And they both play in the same team? No, 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 no. Uh, one, one had no interest in soccer. I had him in soccer for two years. He played house league. 
uh, never got into competitive and uh, never moved on. Whereas the other one was uh, like die hard. All he wanted to do is play with that ball. You know, the, the, I'm I'm not a soccer dad. I'm I'm a ballet dad. <laughs> That's what I am. I'm a ballet dad. So, so, but from all the stories that I that I hear, I I can only assume that the the day your son comes and says I don't want to play soccer, I don't know if there I don't know if there's like this disappointment or if there's this joy because you're thinking fuck finally I can get so, you know, I won't have to drive around everywhere. Uh, you know, save money on all the the tournaments, the equipment, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. You're still there because you have another one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for my son, okay, it's 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 a big. He's very very into it. I would be very surprised if he abandoned it. Yeah. He's very very serious about his soccer. He believes. He honestly believes that he's going to become a professional soccer player someday. So you know what? I, I don't. I support him as best I can. But the day he tells me he doesn't want anymore, believe me, I'm not going to be running and chasing him to keep him going. <laughs> it's fine. But, I respect uh, your decision. Uh, yeah, I, but I don't see that happening. I, I don't see that happening. Uh, the kid, he, when when it's not the only thing he does is watch YouTube videos of soccer. Yeah. Uh, given the opportunity, he goes out with his ball. Uh, he could burn a ball on the driveway. Uh, one one ball a week. He he rips the stitches out of them for playing them. Yeah. So, yeah. Zubi's the kind of guy with a car with uh, 15 balls in the park in in the trunk, just in the trunk. Yeah. There's 15 balls in the trunk. There's a couple. Of, yeah, in case we may need a ball. <laughs> we can never be without a ball ever. But uh, for Zubi, it's his pension plan, man. No, it's good because he sounds passionate. And you know what? I don't think it's strange because I can remember us back in the day in, in elementary school where, you know, we, we would bring our hockey cards and, you know, we were all waiting so eagerly to get the the um, the, the class pictures and we would find the smallest one because, you know, they, they came in different sizes and we would cut out our face and stick it onto the to our favorite hockey player. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you I ever did that. I, 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 never I don't did that either. I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah man. Exactly. All, all, the, all, the, all these kids in my class, I can remember like Peter Gazetas and George Ligris and all these guys. They would come with their hockey cards, and as soon as we would get the school pictures, they would cut out their face and they would stick it on their favorite player, and they would just come like, "Yeah, this is what I want to do." Like there was passion behind it. The difference was that. I'm not so sure that there was the same support system back home like it is now with you guys, you know? No, I was never into sports. I, like, I was never one for sports. If I ever had a hockey card, it was to go play Fardies and Tops and clean out everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't. Uh, no, I, I was never into it. But, like, I, I could tell you, honestly, my kid, he's, like, forget about the COVID situation that we have now, okay? But he's on the field seven days a week, winter and summer. Like, I, like he's, uh, just the two teams that both our kids play on uh, were enough. And I, I had another, like, I had private session trainings with uh, with him, as well as another team that uh, he was on the CDR. And he's been on the CDR for the past uh, three years. So he's what's, year. what's, uh, what's CDR for everyone listening that doesn't know? It's the Concordia Regional Development Team. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay it's all the, it's like, uh, there's, uh, everything's divided over here. And it's one of the, the we, we play for the Concordia League, and there's 23 yeah. teams in there. And they get to try out uh, to make the Concordia team. Uh, which is a practice team until the age of 14, and then they start playing games. But it's still, that's another uh, more more field time. So, so honestly, like, how, how does it? Like, obviously, you're supportive. You want your son to to, to kind of follow his passion. Uh, 
do you feel ever overwhelmed with all this? And like to both of you, because Chris too is very busy. Uh, aside from all the stuff that you guys have going on with work, I assume. I mean, I don't know George your schedule, but I, I, I'm looking at Chris, and he's all over the place. Uh, and then you get home, and then you know that you okay. We have soccer practice day, and then we have a game tomorrow, and then another soccer practice here, and then you know which team are we with today? Like Chris once showed me a schedule, and he goes, "Look, I have no choice. I need to make a schedule. I have a special agenda, or else I'm fucking lost." <laughs> Absolutely. I'll I'll answer it first, Zuby. For me, um, look, George works a lot too. Um, I I'm I was in a situation where at the beginning it scared me. I had to commit. At the beginning, it was. Alex doing more of it. Then I started committing as well. And then it becomes something that it's almost like an addiction. It's like, you have to be there. You have to be at the games. Obviously certain games I couldn't make certain practices I couldn't make, but now with COVID I miss it. So I was glad it stopped for a little bit, but I just want to go back and I, I don't want to just go back for the games. I want to go back for the friendships for like, like George, like we don't see each other anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you, you, you know what? It's annoying at the beginning, and then it becomes something that, you know, you, you don't want to let go of. You don't want to let it go. You know, that, that's, that's, that's my take. For, for me, I'm very grateful and I'm thankful that my wife does the heavy, heavy lifting. Okay, so I, I'm not going to lie. I do, I, I work very long hours and I can't get away from work. So I'm like, a, I'm a six to six guy. And then I come home and I'll probably do an eight to midnight to catch up and then go back to work. I do this five days a week and my weekends are usually off. I might do four to eight hours work in the weekends when I find time just to catch up so I can go on on Monday on top of things. Now, uh, so my, my schedule, I'm not like Chris because Chris is working at several different places and he's running from one place to the other. So he's got more hectic. I got one home base, but I do my hours. I do, I'm very committed uh, to my job and my career and I do a lot of hours. So as far as the practices are concerned, uh, it's rare that I'll make it to a practice. Uh, in certain cases, I'll stay at work later and Michael will drop him off and I'll pick him up. So we'll leave him at a practice. But I don't think I've missed a game in the past two years, guys. Like, I, I enjoy watching him play. I yeah, really yeah. do. And, and I also enjoy the parents. Like, we're very fortunate, uh, George. Like, one of the things that we have, especially in Pandelinos, we have a great set of parents, guys. Yeah. You know, like, and it's really, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a good team. It's not only the kids that are a good team and they have their little camaraderie and they're, they have their fun and they, they play well. Okay. It's a great team. Okay. Uh, we went uh, undefeated the winter season. We lost one game in the entire uh, summer season. The kids are just spectacular to watch. So that's even more encouraging. You feel like your time is well spent. <laughs> Yeah. Them win as opposed to watching them lose. You don't you don't leave embarrassed like a, yeah yeah yeah. No. yeah we're gonna come there and spike these guys too. <laughs> so, so we have a good time. We, no, no. What do you mean leave embarrassed? When we lost that first game, it was depression. Come on, man. One game. I, you know, look, Chris. I, I, I'm listening well, to George. This. When you when when you're not used to losing, man, and you oh, lose, no, that's not a good thing. <laughs> and I think it was a one nothing. It was a one nothing to I think it was seeing Leonardo. See, I'm listening to this and I'm getting excited and I'm not even there. I'm not even close to anything remotely close to, 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 to that kind of ecosystem. I, I brought my daughter once to her ballet uh, practice, whatever. Uh, and you can't sit inside because it's too distracting. So, and there's no windows, you can't see. So it's pretty boring for me. So my wife once, because uh, I think our youngest one was, she, she, was, she was a newborn. I can't remember what I'm like. So I'll, I, I took her to the ballet. 
And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to watch it. It's going to be nice, take a video, you know, enjoy it, whatever, uh, enjoy it. But there's nothing. So uh, we're sitting on a bench. The, the door is closed. You, can, you can't really see. And all I'm hearing are a bunch of moms just gossiping. And yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and did you see her? And did you see that? And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? What am I, I can't be here. I, I, I can't, I shouldn't be here. And there's like three or four of them are just talking. And they're just saying like nonsense. And, I, 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 and you can't just help but not hear this, right? Because you're right next to them. And they're like, oh yeah, I bought the same thing too and I got the pink one and this. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here. I can't, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I came home and I told my wife, look, I cannot do this again. I can't, I can't take it. You, you need to be in a guy space. Yeah, yeah. We need, see, you know, George, the, the thing, the, the, you, know, you, you, know what, you know what brought Chris and I so close is the fact that we're field related too. So we can relate to what one goes through in a given day. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, so that helps a lot. So when I come bitching because I had a hard day at work, you can relate to a lot of my problems, uh, and and vice versa. So we talk. It's not just that. It's like more the families. It's not we're not we're not talking there to, to, to compare pink dresses. Yeah. <laughs> we go there. Yeah. Uh, and this honestly, I'm I'm saying. And so, and I really, I, one more thing, George. One yeah. more thing. Our wives look like sisters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They mix the two up. They, they mix the two up. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. But guys, true. I, I don't have a problem with the ballet thing. I don't mind. Like, I'll go. I mean, I have girls. Like, I have to live with. Like, this is the, my reality, and I don't mind it. I enjoy it, uh, and it's fun. It's cute. You know, they have their little shirt, uh, skirts, and it's cute. You know, nobody, nobody's on rhythm. They're all kind of hopping on their own little, and it's cute. I mean, they're little kids back in the day when they were, you know, now she's six. But I, I don't mind it at all. It's just, it's what you, what you guys are talking about. It's the atmosphere that you're in. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. We we have a lot of fun. We have oh, a lot sure. of fun. Yeah, We're absolutely. fairly rowdy too. We're fairly rowdy too. <laughs> we do our chants, uh, screaming at the kids, <laughs> at the refs, at the refs. Sometimes when, the they, refs. when they're unfair. Is, is that still happening? I remember coming to see one of your games, Chris. And you know, there were a couple parents. I mean, I I don't think it is like it is today, where most of the parents I would assume are much more committed than, for example, your parents were, or you know, the older generation, which you know they didn't care. Take your bike, wow. go to your practice, uh, you know, take your bike, go have a game, good job, good luck or whatever. You know, you didn't have that many parents, but the few parents that were there, it was, it, it was nasty, man. It was, yeah, it parents was are committed. dirty. It parents was are committed. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no, but back in the day, it was like, it, it was boarded. Like, I, I don't think my, my innocent ears should have been listening to that kind of stuff. You Is know, it still like that or are they more civil? Fortunately, fortunately, Panelinos is a great team with great parents. We have a good time. Sometimes we hear it from the others, you know, because of like a bad calls on our side or this side. Yeah, or yeah. Mind, you know, like we, we went to one game, they were calling us Suvlaja because we were bad. <laughs> <laughs> they were calling us the Suvlaja. Look what the Suvlaja are doing to our kids. Anyway, no, we, we've seen it. We, we've seen it. But, you know, from us as Panelinos, okay, our parents were not rowdy, you know. We cheered the kids on. We do our little chant, Panelli, you know. So everybody gets into it, you know. But uh, not more than that. Not more than that. But yeah. I left the team when I went to Panelinos. I left the team because we had that, and we had people screaming and swearing at the kids on the sidelines. Like you know, like a, somebody that you don't even know is screaming at your kid, you know. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's a. <laughs> are, are you talking about now or back in the day? No, no, no. I'm talking about that now, now, now. Oh, wow. I was, I was, my kid was playing in Ceylon for three, for, there was a lot of politics. Yeah. So he played, he was playing from the age of five and they, these guys, they took him in at six for competitive. Okay. Uh, and we didn't get them two years at Panelinos because he just made it off the uh, Mute. Uh, so Ceylon was a very different 
animal. There was a lot of politics. They, they had three teams. They had them segregated. So where they had the team A, team B, and team C. And the team A all were team A, and the others didn't count for anything. And all the attention went to team A. And all the games that were played outside of Senegal were played by team A. Nobody got a chance to go anywhere. And, you know, like I got myself in trouble uh, one time because I acted up. And my kid went from team B to team C like this. <laughs> so, so I left him in team C. I left him in team C for a year at the point that Peter was not, he was committed. He liked the game. He liked the sport. But it wasn't like he hadn't excelled yet. He hadn't really came come out of his bubble. And uh, when I brought him over to Panelinos, and Panelinos, coincidentally, I knew the president of the club. Okay, And the president of the club happened to be a cousin of my Cubaro. Is it still Andy? Yeah, it's Andy. Andy, uh, Andy is is he's the cousin of my my Cubaro, and uh, like I literally grew up with Andy. Like I was a little kid; he's a lot older than me. But uh, because we were always, I was always with with my Cubaro, yeah. basically. So uh, he kept telling me, "Why don't you take him to Panellinos? Go see Andy. Go see Andy." And it never clicked who yeah. Andy was. And we ended up at a function. Uh, actually, it was sad. It was a funeral. So we ended up at a uh, at a funeral. And uh, all of a sudden, Andy puts his hand on my shoulder. I turn around. I look at him, Andy, what's happening? He goes, so when are you going to bring me my son? <laughs> your son. He goes, when are you going to bring me your son? <laughs> I go, what are talking about? I, go, I, I didn't realize who Andy was. Because when, yeah. when my cubano was telling me, take him to Andy, take him to Andy. I didn't realize who Andy was. So you know what? Once he caught me, cornered me, I took him out of Saint Laurent, and I went straight to Panadinos. And, and, and no regrets. It was the best thing I ever do. They're a very good team. I, I, I worked very closely with Panelinos. Obviously, nothing to do with soccer. Uh, but we used to help them with funding and, and, that, and that sort of thing. And I used to talk a lot with Andy. And uh, he used to tell me, I mean, the, the, the kids are, are, are very good. Uh, yeah. No, no. They, they, they coach good teams. They, they raise good teams. Like, I, these guys, they brought Peter of age. So, it's, uh, they did a really good job with Peter. It, it's like night and day. Night and day. And your other kid, what kind of interests uh, does he have? I had them both in Taekwondo. Okay, again, uh, Eric is more the intellectual type. He's the one that's going to sit under a tree with a book. Yeah. So I, I had them both in Taekwondo. Uh, again, Peter Peter is my sportivo. This kid, is uh, he, he excels in any sport you put him on. He's a little jock. So uh, in Taekwondo, again, uh, Eric stayed and Peter pulled out. As soon as the soccer got a little heavy, he, he told me that I don't want to do Taekwondo. I want to concentrate on soccer. So I let him go. Okay, Eric is still doing uh, Taekwondo. He's on his uh, red belt now. He's got probably about a year and a half to go to get his black. That's good. And he likes it? He, like, he enjoys it more? And he likes it. He likes it. He doesn't like the competitions as much anymore. He used to like the competition. When he was younger, he was doing better in his competitions. Now, because it's getting more competitive and the kicks come harder and faster, <laughs> yeah. he's like, okay, Dad, maybe we don't, won't go to the competitions and just stay. <laughs> but again, you know, like it's Eric. Eric sits underneath the tree with a book. You know, it's not, a, they're very, the total opposites. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're total opposites. So they, I can't compare them. Uh, what's it called? Chris was, tell, Chris was telling me that you had your kids also uh, at a later age, and of course, you know, I mean, I don't know if age has anything to do with it, but I mean, to some extent, it's it's obviously different when you have your kids in your thirties versus when you have them, you know, later, like in your fifties or whatever, in that in that kind of age bracket. Uh, but but just to, just to add, George, uh, Zuby is is a is a young spirit, though. Eh? 
Yeah, no, no. He's a young, he's a young spirit. But but you know what, guys? <laughs> everything hurts. Unfortunately, I might be. A spirit, but everything hurts. Huh? <laughs> everything, hurts. everything hurts for me. You know what I mean? So I, <laughs> I can only imagine. But yeah, no. Tell 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 us a little bit about the. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, the decision to have your kids at a, at a later age was this all planned or I got, not necessarily. You know, it's like I got married at the age of about 32, okay? And uh, initially, I didn't want to have kids, so we waited it out. Like, I wanted just to relax, calm down, like, do, do a little bit of travel with my wife. Like, just live, like, the single life with my wife for a little while, you know? So I wanted to put off the kids for about, uh, for a year or two. And, uh, like, we, we, were, we were in agreement, so we said, okay, we're going to live it up for a year or two, and then we'll worry about having the family. And then when we decided to go ahead... Uh, the family didn't come right away like we planned. Yeah, okay. So it took us another five years to have the kids. So my, my wife is a lot younger than I. Uh, we have seven years difference. So again, like I was, uh, I'm 50, I'm almost 52. So put the Eric, I had my kids at 39. So I was 39 when I had, uh, when I had Eric, 38, 39. That's not so bad. Chris made it seem as if you're almost retired. I am retired. <laughs> I'm working right now, George, right now, honestly. Okay, my master plan is as soon as my kids are self-sufficient, I'm going to pass them the keys to the house and I'm going to take off. <laughs> well, the, the reason Zuby is still working is he needs to be able to afford the balls. He's always buying balls. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. Balls, but, balls and cleats. Quite, quite honestly. <laughs> thank, thank God, thank God I could afford them again. But uh, no, but uh, to be truly honest, to be truly honest, uh, right now I would have considered retirement. Uh, like I was, uh, I, I did okay. I can't complain. It's not uh, like yeah. so, uh, right right now. It's I'm more worried about where my kids are gonna end up and how they're gonna grow up and just to be there. So like I'm working hard. It's hard. Like I'm an all uh, I'm an all in type of guy. So it's not. It's difficult for me to do uh, to just hang out. So again, it's like I'm consumed with my work. It's uh, my career. My career. I took five years off, mind you. I took uh, like I took a position in a company where I was doing literally nothing for five years. Uh, it helped in the sense that I was always there for my family because the job that I had before uh, consumed so much of my time. Uh, when Eric was five years old, I came to the realization that the only thing I had done with my two children was eat dinner with them. Because I would literally, I'd be out of the house at 5 in the morning. I'd come back uh, 5.30 at night, uh, sit, eat with them. I might would have dinner ready at the table. And I would get up and go right out the door again. Uh, come back home at 11, and it was all work. Uh, it was a very, like, it, it, listen, it, it was part of my career. I don't know why I did it. And I don't know why I didn't wake up earlier, because right now I'm a lot happier. Uh, so even now I'm doing very long hours and, and I'm committed to what I'm doing because I took, I'm taking on responsibilities that I wasn't intending to. And once I, once you do that, you stay committed. Like, you know, in my case, yeah. I stay committed. Yeah. So when, when I accept a certain position, it comes with responsibilities. So, uh, and I take those very seriously. So like at a personal level, uh, it's family and then work immediately after right now it like work is consuming a lot of my time um but i did spend five years where i was fairly inactive career-wise uh and it allowed me to spend a lot more time with my family it was fun it was fun it was when daddy was still cool you know once your kids hit 13 like like now the kids are getting a little older that's not cool anymore they don't want to play with daddy you know when they're three four five years old like i miss those years i missed very good years with my kids and i got in when peter was three eric was uh four four and a half five uh 
and 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 I spent ten years until they hit uh, ten about, and then I went back to work recently. Now they're at the age where you have to drop them off a block away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, because <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's yeah. embarrassing. They they can't I, be seen I, with you. That that is not cool anymore, guys. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, wait, wait until the driving comes into question, and then when they realize what, what do you mean, Daddy has a motorcycle or he can ride a motorcycle, and then and then you're gonna become a cool guy again. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. George, you hit on a cord there. Motorcycle. <laughs> motorcycle, you hit on a cord there. Do you still ride? Do you still have a motorcycle? Uh, you know what, guys? Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I put it away and I try to, you know, for me, like a motorcycle was like a bad drug. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to call it. Uh, I was raised on a bike, actually, because we had a country place. So uh, my father liked to go and plant tomatoes. And he would drag us to the country place to watch the tomatoes grow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know what? After screaming, crying, kicking, shouting, my father tried to figure out uh, what to do to get us to go to the country place. So he bought us motocrosses. Okay. All the neighbors, all the neighbors' kids had motocrosses. So yeah, you can have motocrosses too. So all of a sudden, uh, Dad, what do you mean we're not leaving on Friday? We're gonna go on Saturday morning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so so we got it. Like I had, I got my first motocross uh, at the age of seven. So I, I've been riding, like I was riding from very young. I started racing at about twelve. Uh, I've had my share of accidents, wipeouts. Uh, like I can be a trauma surgeon by by, by experience. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then after that, I transitioned into street bikes. Uh, I, I raced some street bikes for a while, and like uh, I, I raced the Castro Motorplan uh, 600cc amateur series uh, in 1987 uh, until I went broke. I managed to do four races. It was very expensive, uh, especially trying to fund it as out of your pocket. I was wearing like a busboy three days a week and a wait or two in the summer, and you needed like $300 just for tires for a race. You know what I mean? So it was like, a, you know, and I was a kid. I was a kid, but it was all good fun. Uh, got into a lot of trouble. Uh, you know, like riding on the streets for me, it was very different. It wasn't like a, it was all out. I felt like I was in a race. Uh, so a Friday night would be, hold on a second, do I have a figure out here? All right, here. This was my favorite bike. With the suit and everything. <laughs> the whole, the whole thing, of course. <laughs> Uh, you know what the funny story is? You know what the funny story is? That suit, okay, the, 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 my, my leathers, okay, 15 years, 20 years after, my sister took my leathers, my helmet, my gloves, and my boots, and she went and won second or third prize at a Halloween alley. <laughs> 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 she went out Halloween, and I used to go out every Friday night. And I had to be able to go. It's a costume now. It's a Halloween costume. <laughs> I still have George. I knew he was serious with his bike riding when he he showed me his calf, and there was like half of the calf missing from an accident. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, I've been mangled. I, I've been mangled. It's, uh, <laughs> that was probably one of the worst I had, and I was very young. I was uh, 14 when that happened in a race. I came off a jump, and I landed the front tire. It flipped me around and slammed me into a grandstand, and the foot peg took out my whole calf. So I spent, uh, I spent two months at the Montreal Children's. They were trying to put together, uh, trying to put together the leg. 
<laughs> stick together as Cav. I'm, I'm laughing now. I know it's not funny. But when you showed it to me, the way he was showing to me, man, there was like half the Cav missing. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that came with a mangled, a mangled rib, a concussion, seven broken ribs. Oh, man. Yeah. But this, this is, oh. Zubi, this is a million-dollar question, man, because you did all that. Whatever, we probably got in a little bit in trouble with the cops and everything. Obviously, like everyone that rides no, bikes. I'm not, a, I'm not a big bike, so I don't know. I but the million-dollar question is this. Is today, look, you have us. Eric is almost a teenager, right? right? What happens if he, if he shows up with a bike or if he says, Dad, I need a bike? I, and, you know, like how, how would you handle that? How would I handle it? I, see, the difference with me, one of the reasons why I survived this, okay, was because I had dirt bike experience, Okay. So when things got hairy on the road, okay, and the tire started to go this way and that, and you locked your front brake or you slid out your right tire, tire, I never panicked, okay? I never panicked and I always stayed in control, okay? I'm not saying I didn't have accidents. Even, even like I said, I have places, I, I have places all over my body where uh, you'll never see another hair, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm no stranger to road rash. I've had, uh, like, I've had huge accidents, guys. And, and I've walked away from it. Most of them I've walked away from with uh, nothing more than stitches and broken bones and whatever. But uh, how would I, like right now, Eric is a no. I would feel very, I would be scared for Eric to get a bike for lack of experience. And I don't think when you go and you get your driver's license or your, your license to ride, okay, uh, after three little, like, three sessions in a parking lot and then they take you around the block wearing those pinnies with the monkeys it's not yeah, yeah. That, that for me is not experience okay because the moment the car pops out in front of you and you're doing you know you have you have to do some evasive maneuver this or that you don't have what it takes to get around that car you don't have the, the day it's like for me it was a little different so it's like if eric had grown up similar to the way i did and had similar experience i would be very confident that here take a bike just be careful be careful what kind of stupidities you do and i hope you survive Got it. Start. <laughs> start. Hope, hope yeah, you I hope, survive. I hope you survive like I did. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's no, like guys, I, I'll walk you through my top three, and yeah, I, I wonder how I'm still alive sometimes. But I had like three, like my my top three were crazy, like were were bad, they were bad, and they, they they were sheer stupidities that I got away with uh like like scary top three but um go for it what's number three number three number three i had uh i didn't at that time i had my driver's license my my my, my license and i had a friend of mine he had just bought a gsx this was in 86 85 maybe it was a he had a gsx 750 a 1985 zuby zuby Zubi, sorry to interrupt, man, but uh, me and George are, are, are bicycle retards. Like, uh, like <laughs> you, you, you just said, you just said like okay. some letters with some numbers there. Right? Yeah, it's fine. Okay. It's a motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> it, was, okay. it was the year, it was the year the 750 from Suzuki, a very, very fast 750 from Suzuki had come out. He had it brand new. And his brother had a year old Ninja 900, which was also a very fast bike. Okay. And he took his brother's bike and he gave me his because his brother uh, wouldn't have would, would caught me dead on this bike. And we had gone up to Tromblon. We raced around the base. And on our way back, guys, we still had the, back in the 85, they still had the, uh, the toll booths on the 15. I don't know if you recall, if you're old enough to recall the toll booths. No, we were five. 
The, there I, remember, was th- I remember the tolls on the on Champlain. I don't remember further north. Anyway, there were three of them. There was one right outside of Laval. Okay, there was one in Saint Jerome. Okay, oh. and then there was another one higher up, uh, closer to Tremblant. There was okay. three. Uh, it was a quarter toll. Yeah. And I'm chasing him. I'm tucked in in a bubble, and I'm doing top end, and and I can't even reel him in. So I'm doing close to about a, what I'd figure at the time was about 135, 140 miles an hour. Okay. <laughs> And I'm chasing him, and we're coming up to the full booth, guys. Okay, and I realize that this guy is not stopping. And you're doing 140 miles an hour, and you're aiming at a toll, and saying, "God help me if a guy veers lanes, you know, because when the cars pile up, a guy could just go in to take that one because it's empty. <laughs> so you're aiming at that one from the horizon, and you're gonna say, "Which one do I choose? <laughs> Aim well, and in a bike, either you steer or you brake." You don't do both at the same time, yeah. okay? So, like, at that point when I realized that we're going through this, now you're committed, okay? It's like you're trying, it's like playing Russian roulette. Okay, which stall are you going to take? And is somebody going to pop out of his lane to take it? Because <laughs> you're going to cut him in half. But wait, what do you mean go through them? It didn't have the... the, 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 the... No, no, it had the light, the green light, red light. Oh, it you wasn't blocked. It wasn't that thing that came down? No, no. no, no. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, like, we, we, we passed those tolls. We passed those tolls at 140. And at 140, it's you're threading a needle, guys. It's a, like, it's a, you have to sit and think after you go through that toll with all the land. 140, this is 140 miles. Miles. An hour. Miles. That gets me nervous when I play arcade. Huh? <laughs> miles. Yeah. So, so you go through the tolls and like you're not worried. Oh, okay, the cops are gonna be uh, up our ass soon or something. Oh no, no, we, we guys, guys. Back in the day, it was catch and release. Actually, and the majority of the time, they would chase you for about ten minutes and let you go. <laughs> we used to get into chases. We get used to get into chases every Friday night. We used to get into chases every Friday night. Okay, it was later on in the '90s when they really got it. Got started getting serious and they were picking us up. Okay, like they, even if they used to catch you, you used to get a ticket for reckless driving that was $180 that didn't even carry points in a day. Wow. It oh, was yeah. very different. It was very different from what goes on now. Like if you did decide to stop and they pulled you over, they would give you a ticket for $180 and you'd be on your merry way. Then the points oh, you- kicked in. First of all, you had a license that didn't even have your, your, your picture on it. It was a little green piece of paper. You took your friends. If, you, if my license was done for and I was waiting three months to get it back, I would use my friends. Oh, who are you? You tell the guys and they would let you go. <laughs> uh, things have changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no. Many things times, have changed. What we used to do, what we used to do, okay, is we used to swap bikes. When we used to lose our license, we used to swap bikes. So we'd give them the registration. And, we'd, and they would be able to, to, to map you from the registration. You used to just tell them. They didn't even have computers to, to map you. To do, they would just ask you questions. If you had all your questions without hesitation, they would let you go. Yeah. It's oh. the good old days, guys. Yeah. <laughs> good old days. <laughs> the fabulous 80s, It was the fabulous 80s. Where we can run away from coffee. You know what? I, I got the bug for a little bit. I had a niche. And I went, this is about a year, two years ago. Two years ago, and I went for my license, right. and then I failed the exam twice. I said, "You know oh, what? Forget yes. it. It's it's not for me. It's a sign. <laughs> I'm like, it's a sign. Fuck it." But I did get a niche. I did get a niche. I, I wanted, but you know, it's too late, man. What am I going to do? It might like I was 38. Oh, this is not recent. Yeah. yeah, this is recent. A couple of years ago, I got a niche. It's like, let me go do this. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it's funny. My father was like, "What? what? He was making fun of me? What? What are you going to do? What do you, what do you think you are?" Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that was number two, man. Number two. Number two. Number two was uh, actually number number two was I, I I used to live on Coburn and Gwen, okay, my parents' house, and I used to go to a Tabaji, which was on Salaberry. I don't know if you guys know the area, but it was on Salaberry uh and the portrait core one one yeah. about a street further i don't know if you guys know the area yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we know the area yeah okay so it was right next to a pharmacy there was a little tabashi and i used to go over there pick up cigarettes i was smoking at the time uh so i'm at the tabashi when i leave there okay at that light okay i used to have about i don't know maybe 15 seconds to make it to the light at normandy shopping center if I was going westbound on Salaberry. So I'd have like maybe 15 seconds. So I would sit on a tank, okay, and rev to red line. When I saw the light go yellow, I would drop the clutch, spin out, like literally smoke the tire and come out on a wheelie trying to make the light, the Normandy light at the Salaberry and Uh And I used to do this all the time. And I used to catch the light yellow. All the time. I used to sit there and I'm with that bike. I was on that bike. No. <laughs> Light would turn green out, like out of the parking lot, like spinning. I was like spinning the rear tire. As soon as I come out, I would catch traction. The tires, the front tire would come out. I would go like this and ripping to make the light yellow. So one day I do this. And as I'm flying with my tire off the ground at about 120, 130 and accelerating top, like full, the bike was pinned, okay? There was another guy coming in the other direction to turn, okay? So this guy was flying to turn and the guy turns, he blocks the whole street, he oh, sees man. me coming, he sees me coming and the guy just froze, Yeah. okay? And, and, and there was no stopping for me. There was no, first of all, my tire, my front tire to stop was up in the air. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. we're laughing, but it's so dangerous, guys. Oh, it's man, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So, so what? You hit the guy. You went flying, obviously. No, 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 no. What I did was like George's law. Whenever you have a car in front of you, you pass from behind. Okay, because if you try to pass the guy from the front, if you try to swerve and try to pass the guy from the front, if the guy hits the gas, you're dead. Yeah. Okay? The guy's not gonna put it in reverse. Yeah. So you're always safer to pass from behind. You, you, you like you, this is like you think fast, and this is where experience plays. Yeah, th th this is a split second decision. Yeah, no, you're, not, you're not. You're not always going to think about it. No, no, you, you don't have time to think about it. This either comes to you naturally or you're dead. Fortunately for me, it came naturally. <laughs> anyway, so while the guys in front of me, I land the front tire. Like I, I slide it out. I recover it. I don't go into a tax slapper because I went down and then brought it right back up. But there was the median. So now when I passed from behind, okay, I was at the median. Do you guys know the area? Because right after that, you have the underpass for the 15. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's the median. So I swung it back and then I had the sidewalk. I couldn't get back onto our lanes. So now I had to play chicken with all the cars coming at 120. <laughs> So not only did, like I saved myself from one, <laughs> I'm on the opposite side of the street <laughs> with a median and lampposts and a sidewalk this high. <laughs> so you're not going back over. <laughs> oh man. Okay, and the cars are tightening up, guys. Okay, like this is this is a scene out of the movies. I must have did like at least five or six cars, bah, 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 like front, back, left, and by O'Brien, I managed to put it back in my lane. 
And I felt like a hero. <laughs> Man. Let, let me ask you, then you went back home. You, you went back home after that? No, I was going to town. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to town to party. <laughs> Don't talk about it. It was a Friday night. <laughs> Dressed like that, right? Ready for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So, so, see, something like that. First of all, something like that would happen to me. I'd go through the window of the car. Guaranteed. Uh, but even if I were to make it out of that, I would stop and probably change my underwear <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's not. I'm not for those big emotions, man. Those big thrills—they're not for me. Uh, I like hearing about it. Yeah, like I'm enjoying your stories, man. I, like I love it. I love hearing about it. Just it's not—it's not for me, man. Like I don't mind getting the little rush at La Ronde, <laughs> but but. Not the same. I like to get the thrill with a belt on. There's like, there's a bar. You can hold you on know? to something. Tight. I can hold on to something. It's, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. Yeah. Well, well, give, give me your, give me your top one. My top one, guys. Like this one, I ruined the vacation. I scrapped the vacation in Greece. <laughs> I had a TBR two fifty, very fast two stroke, but it's a smaller bike. And I'm wearing my Bermudas. <laughs> and a flip flop. My su- my sunglasses, padoflaya, and we're going to the beach, guys. No, wait, wait, before you before you finish your story, Zubi, when I first went to Greece and I saw that, it was weird to me. Bikes, big bikes with just with like with a with a speedo and sayonaras. Yeah. It was a it was a weird thing to me. Or some people with patuses there, <laughs> just barefoot, just patuses there. <laughs> Anyway, go on, sit. Anyway, so I'm doing about 120 down the road, and in front of me at the horizon, there's a tractor pulling a tanker, like a water tanker to go put water in the fields. Okay, like it was like a 53 foot tanker, like, and it was being pulled by a huge tractor. Tractor's doing about 30 kilometers an hour. What's he doing? I'm doing 120 and I'm gaining fast. And I'm looking to see if I can pass the guy. I'm looking to see if I can pass the guy. So as I'm gaming on him, okay, I see the guy. He starts to pull to the right. So I go, okay, he saw me and he's pulling to the right so I can pass him. So I hit the gas, full start going through the gears. I'm going like 120, 130, 140. The guy went to the right, guys, to pull a wide left. Oh, man. Oh. And here the fuck we go. Okay? Guys, again, like but I didn't get away unscathed on this one. Like this one here, but still how how I survived this one, I still don't understand. This one here, I went and lit a candle. (laughs) You know the all the others, all the others I never thought twice. Okay, this one here, I went and lit a candle. Okay. The guy pulls, I had the tanker this way. I had 50 feet at 100 kilometers, 120 kilometers an hour. I had 50 feet to think what the fuck I was going to do. Okay. The tanker going this way, the tractor in front of me. The only thing I was going to do is try to make the turn with the tractor. I hit the rear brake. I slid out the back. I didn't even try. Like I dropped a few kilometers from the front, hit the rear, slid out the back, hit the gas. And try to stand. And now you're wearing Padoflakia, so you can't even put your feet on the ground. Like, you can't do that. The image, Padoflakia. I've raced, I, guys, I've raced motocrosses. 
Okay, if I was wearing boots, I might have survived this one. Okay, because you know you're not putting your foot on the ground. It's like now you're sliding the tire. You get anyway. I dropped. Wait, 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 Zuby, Zuby. Was it the one with the little thing in the middle? That's the one, buddy. That's the one. Those <laughs> things, that's the only one that was available. They didn't have Crocs. If I had Crocs, I might have tried to put a foot down. <laughs> the flip flop. Oh man. Oh. Anyway. Full gas, drop the clutch, spinning the rear tire. I'm trying to brake now, and I'm actually almost going backwards with the bike, pointing the other direction, spinning the rear tire, trying to make the corner. And as I'm making the corner, and I almost make it, okay, because I like I, I'm like I'm still vertical, but the bike is sliding. I'm drifting now. I'm drifting, and my rear tire is smoking out the back because I had dropped the gears and the clutch, like like just to, to make it. Okay, again, dirt bike. Uh, I'm coming around and my rear tire hits the front tire of the tractor, but hits it hard. Okay, like I, would, I came into it, I, I was probably doing at least 60 or 70 kilometers an hour when I hit it, okay? I just clipped it, the bike flipped, I went flying over, uh, it was a stone wall, okay? I went flying over the stone wall, okay? Landed on my face, that's where I got this car from, okay? My hand, I had a bone sticking out of my hand over here. I had to hammer it back. Forget it. I got killed, guys. I, there was not, there was no skin left on me anywhere. Okay. I landed in the field and I turned around on my back, guys. And I saw the bike coming like this. It had hit, it had hit the, the, the stone wall. It went over the stone wall and the bike was coming like this. And it landed about three feet from me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that would have been game over. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like I survived. Like I realized I survived. Okay, this is not so bad. <laughs> I've done worse. <laughs> Zuby, Zuby, I saw the bike coming. Then we let Zuby. You're in Greece. Let me ask you. After that, did you did you did you light a cigarette? What's that? I did you light a cigarette? Never mind. Eh? <laughs> as you as you lying down, as you lying down in the field, as he's lying down in the field. What was funny is I came up. I I I got up. I got up. Okay. And the little Yayula comes out of her house. She goes, Pelaki are you all right? And now I'm bleeding out of everywhere. And I'm bleeding and, and, and the dirt had stuck on me everywhere because I was like hot, whatever, you know, from the sweat. So I'm full of dirt and I'm just bleeding out of everywhere. Oh, man. So the little lady comes out. She goes, Pelaki are you okay? And I go, Yayula, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, man. Like, I'm still now, like, oh, you know, like, try to... And, adrenaline and is still there. Yeah, yeah, adrenaline, yeah. I'm bleeding out of everywhere, and the only thing I was worried about was my hand, because I did break a bone. I, I broke a bone. It was, uh, anyway, like, so, and, and I'm looking at her, like, I was, I've experienced pain before, believe me. Uh, so, I'm sitting there looking at it, and she comes, she goes out, she goes, because I was close to the house, and she comes out with a hose. And she goes, if she wants, I can clean you off. No. <laughs> so Let me clean this kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's spraying me, you know. The bike was still semi-operable. I got on it, went home, got in the shower, tried to wash myself off. Then we, uh, I had the hand looked at. I went in uh, to get the hand uh, wrapped. They didn't put me a cast, but they put me in like a, they tied it down and they put me in uh, splints and tied it because it was in the wrist. It was it was right here actually, yeah. and, and here I still have the bump from it. Um, yeah, and uh, that, that was the end of that. Oh wow, man! So it let me ask you. So is is the bike retired for good now? 
No, you know what? I'll probably get it. Eventually. <laughs> it's hard, but you know what? You can't you can't get away with the shit I did. The reason why I I stopped is because on my last year, uh, I got picked up twice. Like I'm not gonna lie, I got picked up twice, and it was painful. It, it, it was painful. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it, yeah so it was no more catch and release. I realized that they're they're not playing anymore. Before we used to have fun with them, you know. And then I so I stopped. I stopped, and, and part of the reason why I stopped is because I know I have a hard time controlling myself. <laughs> I like to have fun. It's like, a, and you know what? It's like, anyway, it is what it is, guys. I, you know. No, but you you can have like a like a like a bigger bike now, a Harley, where you can just go and enjoy the I road. Can't, I can't do that, George. Like this? I can't. I want. No, no, never, never, never. Your legs. Your legs, legs, legs. Your legs are here. I can't. No, I can't. It looks so awkward. I'll never, I'll never awkward. do it. I'll never do it. I'll do a super motard. I might do a super motard. What is but, that? Uh, like a like a motocross for the street. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But not uh, not one of those. Like a like a cruiser. Never, never. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. When the when, first of all, I never I was never comfortable. I've I've ridden Harleys before, uh, like Shadows and all these uh, the cruiser type bikes. Uh, when the wheel when your front tire is so far in front of you. I don't feel like I'm in control. So when you get jiggy with it, it's a whole <laughs> different ballgame. Yeah. Okay, when you're Man. sitting on top of your front tire, I have the God complex. Yeah. I know what my bike is doing. When you're on top of the front tire, you know what your bike's doing. So it's a big difference for me. It's uh... The most extreme thing I've done on wheels is a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. For, I remember it was like somebody had it. I don't remember who had it in the lane. Was it Sotiri? One of the kids had it. And I went on it for 24 seconds. <laughs> That's not bad, man. 24 seconds. 24 seconds and that was it. And I fell down, hit my head, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same thing happened with the uh, rollerblades for me, roller skates. Oh you, oh, you did that stuff? No, man. Yeah, yeah. My cousin had bought them and I'm like, oh, okay, let me try them. I mean, you know, we, we, we would skate all the time. I mean, I consider myself, I'm not, I'm not a pro or anything, but I can skate pretty well. Okay, what's the what's the big difference? You know, it's just same thing, just with wheels. You know, oh my god, with a wipeout I took, I hit my elbow. I remember I, I I just smashed my body on the floor. I'm like, yeah, no, forget it, forget it, forget it. Yeah. Now that yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't remember the last time I was on a bicycle. Guys, we used to as kids, okay, we used to take our motocross and there was trails through the woods. Yeah, for the that must and have been fun though. But it was a blast. It was a blast. We used to go flying through there at like anywhere between sixty and hundred kilometers an hour. Yeah, okay? and you'd be in the air. There wasn't a weekend that went by where I didn't break a finger or a toe <laughs> because you were you you were you were flying in the air like this, and you would take you you would clip a tree with the handlebars. <laughs> you got break on the, the knuckles. You used to break three fingers. Okay. I, you know, th there was a time, guys, where the cops came and they rang the doorbell. I had a file like this at the children's because we used to come home. We used to never say anything to my parents. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, it, everything was black and blue. We couldn't walk. <laughs> the <hand. laughs> so, by Wednesday or Thursday, the parents would take us to the hospital, to, to the Montreal Children's. I had a file like this. They came and they rang the doorbell. They, they thought that our parents were beating us. Yeah. It was... <laughs> Greek, Greek parents, abusive Greek parents. <laughs> they're, they're abusive. What are they doing to their kids? There's no way. Like, there's no way this eight-year-old eight is riding a motocross. Who do you think you're fooling? Here? <laughs> but uh, like, honestly, your parents now—they're seeing this happening. Yeah. 
don't they tell you, look, dude, forget about the motocross. I'm taking it away from you. You're, you're a danger to society. <laughs> we would threaten to stop going to my country place and the tomatoes wouldn't grow anymore. <laughs> that was it. That was it. That was it. That's all it took. No, but you know, we've, spoke, we've spoken about this many times on other episodes. You know, the, the, and it's not about how, that, that they cared more or less. I think they obviously cared about their kids. It's just, I think they were much less stressed than we were. And I, I remember we said this last, uh, I can't remember which episode, where, you know, we had a place up north too. And, we, you know, we were young kids and we would walk to go to the, to, to the beach. There was a lake and we would all go there. No supervision, nothing. And my daughter is six. I mean, at six, I remember my mom being there. There was always someone or my friend's mom was there. But I have, you know, I have very good memories of me being like eight or nine years old and going by myself, you know, or we were all together like in, in a little group. Of course, there were uh, like my sister and my friend, they were a bit older, but by two years, whatever, they were 10, I was eight. I mean, it's not that much of, a, of an age gap, right? And we would go by ourselves. And we're thinking now, if my daughter is eight, nine, would I ever let her go swim without me being there, you know, or without an adult? And the answer is no. And it, it just brings us back to the mentality that our parents had. And that's probably the same thing with your dad. Where it's like, all right, take a bike and go. You know what I mean? Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. See, like today, like your kid is seven. Do you even give him a motocross? Listen, if I had the means or if I had a country place, chances are we'd be riding together. I hate to say it, but chances are we'd be riding together. <laughs> yeah. You know, like okay. I, I would have started even, even younger. <clears throat> Yeah. You know, but I, I didn't, I didn't have that means. I didn't. And, and you know what? Now it's late. Now I don't want to, uh, to be very honest, I wouldn't want to see my kids on a bike right now. Yeah. Because it's late. They're going to, you know, they, they're going to be like late boomers. They're going to get out there. It's, it's. Yeah. You handle a fear differently. Yeah, I, I, it's I, different. If it's different. Yeah. Like, like for me, for me, like to react or, or to, to like riding came naturally when I got onto the street. Okay. It's like, I went and did my racing license. Okay. And uh, when I was doing my racing license, uh, which was at a cult fast, uh, I learned a lot about suspension. So they taught us how the suspension acts. Okay. And, and they taught us how to set up your suspension and what it's supposed to do for you. And you know what, for me, that was like Pandora's box. They opened Pandora's box and the monster mm -hmm. came out. Okay, because once I realized that, fuck, man, there's actually a science. Excuse me, actually, I shouldn't have said that, but anyway, uh, there's actually a science behind this. And if you get it right, okay, it inspires that much more confidence. Okay, because you are, like, like you could set up your, 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 your suspension for your, 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 your weight and your riding style. Okay, and it plays a lot. Your traction on a motorcycle plays a lot with the compression and the rebound dampening. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of key components that play into this. And if you get it right, it's like you start riding Alibaba's magic carpet, and all of a sudden <laughs> you feel like you could do all things that you couldn't do before. Okay, and once you understand it, because me with the track brought a lot of this shit together. Okay, because I had the, I had the motocross. The motocross was all out. Uh, I used to just go crazy. I, you know what? I can't say I really knew what I was doing because I went to one race. Like my final race is a story on itself. Uh, we will save that one for another time. But it was an experience. My final motocross race. Um, but the like once I started racing like street bikes, things came together. It was different. The thought was different. The way I used to ride was different. It was like everything changed. Yeah, man. Now you know how you know what I see now, George uh, Zubi. Mm. I see you next year in Paros 
with a little Vespa. Yeah, yeah. And a papaki, and that's it. You know, just just to go get your your bread or your tiropitas. Yeah, that's it. Uh, last time we were in Greece, now that, now that you mentioned how weird uh, things are in Greece with motorcycles and all these Vespas and scooters, we were with my brother in 2016, I think it was, and we were driving down to Napoli. So he's driving, and we're in front, and we're seeing a, a motorcycle, and there's two people, there's two guys on it, right? And something looks off. We're like, you know, but they're still far, far, far away, you know? So we're like, what the hell is going on? We're like, something doesn't look right. So as we get closer, <laughs> there's a front guy, he's riding, it's fine. But the guy behind him, <laughs> he has a fucking cigarette <laughs> and a frappe on one hand, just sitting behind the <laughs> this, this is on the highway, bro. <laughs> For Mo. That's, that's what it's all about. <laughs> he's riding with a cigarette. <laughs> Like, not, he, where are you holding on to, dude? Like, he's just sitting behind. With his, with his, They're crazy. I had a cab driver once in Padra. I don't know where he, he was. I don't remember exactly where he was taking us, but what I remember is on one head, he had a cuboloi, a frappe, a sandwich, and he was driving standard. <laughs> <laughs> like, all, all, that, all that was happening while he was driving. That's a lot of talent. <laughs> <laughs> like this, but, yeah, like that, sandwiches, like this, like this. But he's in the car, man. It's safe. Like, no, it's not motor- safe, man. It's not. Well, it's safer because when you're on a motorcycle, it's like, I mean, the only question I still have is like, where was he holding? Like, the only way is like with his thighs. I don't know what he's squeezing. The, the, the My point is that they're daring, man. They're daring and they're they're fearless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's, up, know, and what's up with wearing the helmet through the arm? That's <laughs> you see them riding. They're not wearing the helmet, but they have the helmet through the the forehead. In case you see a cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That guys, it's the most dangerous thing you could possibly do. Eh? If you fall, you just broke your arm in two oh, places. Sure. Not, in two places. But it's only oh, yeah. like, well, the accident that you had. Were you wearing a helmet in Greece or no? The helmet was but the glasses. Yeah. Guys, in Greece, honestly, honestly, guys, in Greece, the only time I would take I would always go down with a leather jacket, a helmet, and gloves. Okay? No pants, just a just a top jacket. Okay. And I would wear it. And my cousins used to laugh at me. I used to rent uh either a TZR 250. I, I once I got an Aprilia, I got my hands on an Aprilia, uh RS 250. Like they were all the 252 strokes at the time. Okay crazy fast bikes okay these bikes were like 250 pounds and they were about 60 70 horsepower it was they were ridiculously fast for the day uh 250 pounds only yeah yeah they were nothing they were, they were nothing. Wow, that's light well that's like that's my that's my weight in, <laughs> in in human it's a lot in bike it's little they, they, they were like they were just unbelievable bikes to ride Okay, and I used to go down with my helmet, my my leather, and 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 my my cousins in Athens would laugh at me. But I used to always go visit my father's Horio because my 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 mom was from an island, and we spent the time in Paros. And, but I would always, out of respect for my dad, I would always go down to Sitia, and I would spend one day there. Normally, I would spend one night at uh, Monevasia. I would go see my grandparents. I would go see like five relatives and get out of there. And I would do this. And like at that time, it was before they built the tunnel and the highway to go down to Sparti. So uh, I used to leave Athens and I used to call the village and I had a cousin, Mujuri, uh, Dimitri, and I used to call him and I said that I'm leaving now. 
okay because that was like that was proof that i was leaving like from my cousin's house and i would make it down there guys in two hours and 45 minutes <laughs> if you went there with a cabbie that was gonna kill it for you or you were driving down there you need five hours okay my average speed was 160 170 through the mountains i would use the little ecclesia for brake markers yeah oh yeah, yeah. If you see any ecclesia you go the guy went off the road over here let's put the brakes on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's not, and I used to do this like it used to. I used to love this trip. Okay, it was the only time I ever wore a helmet in Greece, and then after that, I would make it back into Athens and get into Pirea, put the boat, uh, put the bike on the boat to go to Paros, and the helmet would get packed, and I would bring it back home with me. That was it. I would never oh, wear the helmet again, only for that trip, only down to Sparta and back. Uh, for me, that was a crazy little concept. That Ikisaki, when it was first explained to me. Yeah. I, I well, remember me, getting For me, the concept was this has to be a break marker. Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. see it. <laughs> uh, so you don't join the guy. Yeah, for, yeah, for those it. listening that have no clue what we're talking about, like along the Greek highways, there's like these little mini. Um, little. Yeah, yeah, it's like they look like little mini churches, like a sculpture or like a little stand with a little um, church and they light a candle inside. Yeah, a little church. Uh, it looks like a church. It's like a like a miniature church, and they usually light a candle. That's usually because at that spot someone died, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but and it was all over, all over the highways. When that was explained to me, I remember feeling like uh, I got an eerie feeling. It was weird. I still remember it. You I know, still remember that. And, you know, and the way my dad explained it, it wasn't like, like no euphemism. No, like, uh, oh, it's like, no, no. Pane fudu kado, though. Fudu kado. Disappeared off the cliff here, yeah. I've said that. I got that. I got that sentiment when I went to Cyprus and we were driving with my cousins. And along the highway, they had wrecked cars. Like wrecked car, like from an accident. Yeah. You, you get into an accident, you die, or maybe you don't die, whatever. But your car is totaled. They would grab that car and put it there next to the highway, like on a on a on a stand, uh, whatever. Uh, that's so scary. You're, dri- you're driving down, highway, you're seeing all these demolished cars. You're like, what the fuck's going on here, man? That's uh, great, scary stuff, man. Yeah, it's like I'm, it's 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 an eye opening thing. It's like, listen, stop, you know, stop. That's why they don't have they don't have any speed limits, sir, because they show you that they show you Klisaki and damaged cars. <laughs> They'll understand. They'll understand. Don't worry. Put up a little church here. They'll get it. You know? yeah. Oh man. But the, but the so, roads, but the roads are amazing though. Speaking of Greece and highways, the roads are are, are fantastic. I, now they are. Now they are. Not yeah. then. Now they are. Yeah, I don't know about Since that. The European, you were, yeah, but the back then, back then, guys, it was chaos. It was, uh, but you know, it's fun. It was fun to drive. But like for me, it was fun to ride or drive in, in, in Athens. I used to love it. I used to love it. He who gets to the corner first turns. That was the law of the road. <laughs> you know, the light stop sign. What is this? Oh, yeah, I know. D- d- different world though, man. But yeah. that, that's the master plan, no, Zubi? Yeah. yeah. Tired in Paros, huh? He has a house in Paros. Yeah. As soon as my children are self-sufficient, guys, as soon as my children are self-sufficient, I pack my bags and I'm gone. I'm going to go at least six months over there. Okay, I have my sister, my brother-in-law. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm set up. I already have my home. Uh, so I'm, I'm good. Paro's nice. Paro's beautiful. Punda, Punda Beach. Punda Beach. Uh, Punda Beach. If, the, <laughs> if those trees could talk in the back of Punda Beach. <laughs> 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 I, I, I remember the 
You, we were together, Paros, no? No, no, no. I went we to, in 2016, if, I went with my and wife. And you didn't see uh, Punta yes. Beach, guys. You didn't see Punta Beach in the 80s. I saw the Punta Beach out of bungee jumping. No, no, no. That was done, right? You want to see Punta Beach? Hold on. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. This I remember there was a guy on a bungee jumping. That's the first thing I saw when I went hold to Punta. Hold on. And his album. Album, These things don't exist anymore, man. See, we've even talked about this. How the, how the the fact that you know this is what this is what matters. You know, now it's on the phone. Nobody. What is that? Ah, <laughs> put that beat. No, no, this is at the track, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, nice. Hold on, hold on. Let me find put that beach. <laughs> hey, you know what else you guys both have in common? Yeah. Photography. Oh, that's another story. That you know what? You know what? If George is into photography, yeah, yeah, I, I, I got into it a lot. If uh, you're into photography, George, uh, that's what I did with my bikes. I gave up the bikes for photography. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's another. That's another story at home. But uh, hold on, Puda Beach. Let me find you, Puda Beach, the guys. <laughs> Let me find Puda Beach. I went, I had buddies, I had that, I had good friends in, uh, here we go, here we go. This is Puda Beach. I'm going to show you two pictures in Puda Beach. Uh, this is in the 80s, the fabulous 80s, guys. No word of a lie, okay? I flew into London, okay? It was a seven-hour flight, whatever it was, eight-hour flight. I get into London, okay? It was in the morning. I did, like, took, like, the red eye. I hook up with my friends. We go out. We have lunch. We have this. We have that. We start drinking. We go. We play softball. Okay. We and our flight was at like midnight to get out. So we play softball. We go to a pub. From there, they drive us to the airport. We get at the airport. We go to Athens. So now I haven't slept in like thirty-five hours. We get to Athens from Athens. Okay, with the bikes. Okay, the three of us. We go. We take a cab to my buddy Jason's house because he had a little, uh, he had a Suzuki Sprint, a little tiny little red, a little red Sprint. So we get there, we float the bikes. From there, we go three in the morning now to Perea, okay? Like uh, four in the morning to Perea. We get to Perea, we put it in the front to get it on a boat. We go to Paros, we get to Paros. Then it was seven hours the boat rides. Uh, We get to Paros, Paros. the next day at uh, at, uh, probably about what, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, we get off in Parija, and we go straight to Puda Beach with the luggage in the car. Eh? <laughs> awesome, man. We're here. We made it. Okay. You want to see Puda Beach in the 80s, guys? These pictures are priceless. Were there any nudes then? What's that? Oh, yeah, for sure. All over. I, rem- I mean, I remember when Kefalonia, the first time I went and I was young, it was busy everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And my, and my uncle would want to take pictures with me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, man. You know, you okay. know what? This great. was no bungee jumping, no kutamaris, no nothing. There was a reggae band. There was drinking. And we wished people would start fainting from the dancing and the partying. They would start fainting and they would pull out a fire <laughs> and start spraying us. You know, the the thing is that it hasn't changed that much. I mean, look, I haven't, I didn't experience that. When we went to Paros with my wife, it was probably like in September or something like that. You went with Uh, your wife, George? Yeah, but still. No, but we went, uh, we went to the beach. It it wasn't that, it wasn't that active. But maybe the fact that it was September, I I don't know. But, 
you know, these party beaches, you know, and I've heard stories from other people that have gone, like even to Mykonos and all this. It hasn't changed that much. I mean, it's still chaos. It's changed tremendously. It's changed tremendously. It's not what it used to be. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me, George, because I, I, I saw the heyday. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let me show you a picture of what the, like, because you'll, you'll never see this. You'll, you'll never see that. How old are you? 39. <laughs> uh, you know what? Forget it. I'm, I feel I feel for you. You will never see. You know what? Greece, guys. Greece was there was a period eighty four to ninety two. That was the golden era of the Greek islands. Okay, that was before the the, the the European Union. That was before the euro. That was the depreciation of the drag. That was when we were cashing in a Canadian dollar at anywhere between eighty drags to hundred and twenty. Okay, and it would cost you 500 drags for a hotel room. It would cost you uh, 30 drags for a beer or a, for or, or a drink at a bar. It would cost you 30 drags for a, for for a frappe. You could go to a restaurant and eat a fish with a Greek salad and a liter of wine with 600 to 800 drags. Yeah, it was. You know what? Uh, we remember that we're not too young for that because mm -hmm. I remember the first time I went when I was older. Because I would go often with my parents every two years. But the, when I was 17, 18, and I went, it was with uh, the drachmas. And I remember uh, a pita, a beer, and a pack of cigarettes was like... 200 drachmas. Well, it was $6. It, like, it would come out to like about 6 bucks. Yeah, it was, some, it was stupid. It was stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like you went down, you went to Greece with a little bit of money, and you were a king. Six, six, $6 sounds, sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is today, what Zubi, today, today, Simana Thelis Ochto Evro Yanakaridopita. Guys, you know that, right? Guys. Okay, this picture is priceless. Okay. The ferry boats. Look what used to go on in the ferry boats. Stromatsada. Stromatsada. Okay. These ferry boats then, okay, they didn't even know how many people got on. Yeah, yeah. They had no clue. They had no clue who went overboard, who didn't. Like they, they had no clue what was going on. You couldn't walk down the halls. This is a boat going down to the islands. Yeah, yeah. It was a burdello. Now, now, no, that, that that's over now because you know the, the tickets and everything. But I remember in two thousand five when we went down, uh, and we took a boat. Uh, we left from uh, I think we're in Milos, so we leave Milos, and it was. It took like 12 hours to get to Athens. It was like, the, the I don't even know why it took that long. It did like 15 different islands before it got to Athens. The boat was packed. It was over, like they had over, like they, they would just bring in people. And uh, as we're approaching the the port, they announced in the boat that nobody's allowed to get to get out because the port authorities had to come in. Uh, <laughs> say it, say it. Inspect. Guys, the minute the boat got in, Nobody gave a shit. The door opened and everybody ran out. You had the port authorities fucking whistling. Hey, hey, nobody moved. People fucking swearing at them. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> nobody gave yeah, a shit. Guys, did you, did you guys experience when you would get close to the port and they would just uh, say, Xebarkation? Please prepare for the Xebarkation. <laughs> Who the fuck translates these things? <laughs> Please prepare for the xebarkation. We are approaching the port of Piraeus. Please prepare for the xebarkation. <laughs> no, look, I, when I was seven, look, uh, it was one of the one of the most memorable trips I had, and it was I was alone. Obviously, no parents. 
and uh, Greece was 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 an interesting place to to explore, man. I guess. And, and, and you know, you know the feeling I got, man, because I was always close to the Greek roots. Like I went to Greek school, I would listen to Greek songs, I read some Greek. So it wasn't it wasn't like it wasn't strange to me. Like uh, Greece wasn't a stranger. I always thought, but that you know what? No, but you know what it is, George? That's the first time I got there. I didn't feel it as much. But as I got older, and I went back, I knew that I came from there. Guys, uh, you know, I, you I know, felt you it know in what my bones. Did it for me. You, you know what did it for me? It was an outdoor concert in Monavasia with Taladas. Yeah. Okay. Significa. You don't understand. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Okay, I'm talking about even the tables were dancing. The tables and the chairs were dancing. There was like five villages have gone there. Okay, <laughs> it was absolutely chaos. Absolute chaos. And it was the most heartwarming thing I've ever experienced. That's when I discovered what it was to be Greek. <laughs> no, but think of it. It's true. They would have, I remember where my, where my dad is from, there's like five, six villages. Yeah, the paniri. This was like the, the mega paniri. Yeah, the, the mega paniri with like thousands of people. It was amazing. Thousands of people. Thousands. They of had people. the Laras. They had the Laras singing, man. It was crazy. And Urunopoulos. Urunopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. There, there's a different. Uh, see, this is the other thing, and you know, we've spoken about this. You know, I, I remember having this conversation with Chris where, you know, we don't get that over here. Our superstars, you know, the our singers, our actors, you rarely run into them. Like, you know, think of your most famous musician over here, like Celine Dion or whatever, any, any you know, Canadian uh, uh, artist. You're not going to run into them. Like, there's no, there's no venue where you can go sit down and listen to these people sing. And this is what's different in Greece because in Greece, whoever your favorite singer is, there's a period of time where you can just go and sit and listen to them. Like they're not touring halfway around the world, right? It's yeah, they're, yeah. they're they're in the city. They're in Athens, or and in the summer they're touring the islands, or they're touring the rest of the country. So you have that proximity, and, and it's amazing because every time I've gone to Greece, except for the last time, uh, the first thing on my list is okay, what shows uh, are happening? Where are they happening? And let's get tickets. So you've seen guys like Papa Costadino outdoors, you know, uh, uh, Mikrutiko and all these big uh, names, you know, that we, we, we would love over here, right? And then, of course, you know, you have the Buzuki and all that, where you have all, you know, the other popular uh, musicians uh, that you can just go check out anytime you want, right? So it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different vibe. It is. It is. I miss it, man. I miss it. I wanted to go this year. Uh, me too. Well, this year I wasn't going to go, but uh, the coming summer I got to go. The coming summer, I gotta go. So I'm doing. Do. Well, it all depends on what happens. I mean, let's just hope that uh, you know the, the 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 rollout will happen smoothly with the vaccine, and uh, you know, hopefully, um, yeah. You know, we we were supposed to go down this summer too. Actually, we were we were discussing with my wife. We we're actually getting ready to buy tickets, uh, and then COVID happened. We're like, <laughs> thank God we didn't get anything because uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I never get insurance. So uh, yeah. who buys insurance anyway? Uh, so yeah, so no, next summer, man, yeah. But you know, I have a feeling that next summer Greece is gonna be chaos. Like everyone that missed, everyone that missed the opportunity this summer, they're yeah, going yeah. next summer. It's gonna be like if you have yeah. to go to Greece, it's gotta be next summer because that's it's gotta be next summer. Yeah. It's gonna be chaos. <laughs> yeah. So George, tell me about your shooting. What do you shoot? I don't shoot that much anymore, but uh, I got really into photography uh, a couple years ago. I shoot Canon. I had a, a 7D. Uh. That's a Nikon, right? <laughs> that's coming from a Nikon. <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
you know, I, I never, I, yeah, I never, I never got into this whole animosity canon. Like, I'm not like a, a tech junkie. I really didn't care. Uh, is, is it like Apple, Samsung? Is that it? Is that the yeah, kind of like that? Yeah, yeah. Worse, 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 worse. <laughs> yeah. Worse. We're enemies. We're enemies now. <laughs> You're talking to a Nikon guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I never got into this whole techie thing. I just wanted to do it because I found it interesting. And um, yeah, no, I took courses and I, uh, I, I, I. That's I, what happened to me. I got the bug in college because I, I had to take a course. Yeah. Uh, I had to take an elective, and there was nothing open except for uh, a photography course. Yeah. So I take the photography course, I show up to the photography class on my thing, and they, they tell you, you need a camera. What? You need a camera? <laughs> Where do I get that? <laughs> 35 millimeter? The fuck is that? <laughs> so yeah, I'm yeah. a starving student now, starving student. I went to the pawn shop. I don't know if you guys remember York. It was at the corner of a fort in St. Catherine. Katimule. There was a, there was a pawn and, shop called And York. they had guitars there. They had guitars there. They had all kinds, man. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I went over there and I picked up a Nikkor mat from the 50s, guys. I picked up a Nikkor mat from the 50s with a 35 millimeter prime just to do my class. And they, they charged me like 40 bucks for it. Yeah. You know, and that's where I got into it. And it, because my first camera was a Nikon, I stayed with Nikon the whole way through. But see, back then, it, you know, look, now the, 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 there's advantages and disadvantages. The advantage back then, because I, I didn't get into film, I didn't do it, but it, it was so much more of an art, right? I mean, you had to go develop your film, and if you wanted to get creative, there was all these techniques that you could use, and, and you couldn't mess up, right? Like, that, you had, you had a light meter. Photoshop. Sorry? Now you put it through Photoshop. No, but well, see, yeah, there, there's a disadvantage because... I don't want to say they're less creative now. The advantage now is that because there's less risk, I mean, you don't have to worry about, oh, no, I'm going to burn my entire film. I only have one or two rolls. Now you can do, do whatever you want. You can just practice until you get it. So there's an advantage to it, right? Uh, but there's something about, and I don't I have no clue about it, but there's something about developing films and all that that, um, to me, is interesting like uh, there's this whole process that these next generations just did not get to learn and it's so crucial I, I, about I, I understanding photography we, you know? we did the dark room we did the dark room we did all of it and you know what i loved it it was a great 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 experience yeah and it was a lot more technical because it cost you money to fuck up of course and you didn't want to so you had to be very careful <laughs> now now i you had you probably had to take notes okay this picture this number uh what's my aperture what's my shutter speed let me write them down so that when i get the picture i can go back and reference okay no maybe i'll you know you got to try different uh, different uh, now it's all there yeah but it's, it's good now because people that are like myself uh you know when i got into photography i got into photography late like it was maybe i don't know 10 years ago or something like that so i got into the the digital cameras um the 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 dslrs and it was fun because there is no risk factors. Like, okay, I'll take a picture and then you look at it you're like, oh, fuck, this is ugly. Let me delete. <laughs> Let's try it again, you know? Uh, I, I remember, guys, honestly, I remember going to, like, the Normandy shopping center. There was a Chantre Japonais de la Photo. Yeah, it's probably machine. still there. <laughs> and I would give it, no, 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 they're all gone. They're all closed. There. What are you talking about? And you used to give your film and you used to wait outside and they used to pass it through the machine. They used to take the film, put it in the machine, and it would develop your photos and you'd wait for your photos to drop out after two hours. Yeah. And you'd sit there and you'd watch everybody's photos go through. <laughs> uh, well, but the iPhone killed all that, no? Of course the iPhone killed it. I mean, nobody, nobody's printing albums anymore. No, no, the, yeah. the digital photos. The digital photos. It's not just the iPhone. But now everybody takes photos with their phone. Well, that's it. Well, that's what I'm saying. People bought iPhones. And because they bought iPhones, they bought cameras. 
guys, you, you can't compare. If you're going to shoot, like uh, right now, uh, George, I'm the uh, quote-unquote official photographer of Pandelinos. <laughs> the TV. <laughs> it's a big honor, guys. Uh, no, get, no, no, but uh, you know what? If you want to put the link, if you want to put the Pandelinos link with a Facebook link for Pandelinos on the, on the bottom of your site, uh, they could go and see all my pictures. But uh, we've got nice pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. We do. We do. Obviously. And you come... He can't. But if you know what you're he comes doing, comes loaded. He comes with with his backpack. Etimos, etimos. Yeah. No, but see, that's. Uh, but to go back to what Chris was saying, like I'm a victim of that. Like the minute I got an iPhone, and when iPhone got really good, like I mean, they're equipped with some with, with a pretty. Listen, they take camera. good pictures, but you cannot compare. Can't compare. But you, can't compare. but you know what the thing is? Look, you're you're going off on a on on a, on a weekend trip with your family, right? You can't take my equipment. Forget yeah, it. My backpack, my backpack weighs 70 pounds. Yeah, mine too. Like I have so many, so much shit in there, right? Like lens. But that, that, that's the difference, man. Like when you guys think, talk about photography, you guys talk about a hobby. You talk about an art. For everyone else, it's a convenience. Yeah. For everyone else, it's like I don't have to carry it and I have it. And whenever well, I, I need to snap it, oh, I snap but what, it. I, what I'm saying is that I've slowly transitioned to that too, where it's more convenient. The, the camera is actually pretty decent. And if, you know, you, there's a couple apps that you can really uh, kind of reach close to the settings of, a, of an actual camera. Yeah, yeah. Why, why carry a backpack? Why even carry a, a whole thing hanging off you, right? Sure, I agree with you. When I vacation, all my pictures are on my cell phone. Yeah, okay, it. but I love photography. Oh, if, yeah. like, if I was able to share screens, I'd put three pictures up on the screen over here for you guys to see that were taken in the middle of the night. These were yeah. taken at nine o'clock in pitch dark. Yeah, open aperture. Uh, open what? A lot, of, a lot of jargon this episode. I have to go back and... Uh... Yeah, you got to go you gotta do some stuff. You know, <laughs> knife photography is fun. Um, no, I mean... Can, can you I, share the screen for two seconds? Yeah, hold on. I got to put you... Uh, hold on. I got to make you a host, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there. I think you can do it now. Okay. These are shot at 9 o'clock in the park. Oh, yeah. And these are shot from 100 meters out. Yeah, see, th your iPhone will never be able to do this. Look at, look at the ball. Yeah, yeah. And this is pitch dark. Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Look, look, yeah, it's yeah, pitch yeah. dark. Yeah. Yeah, see, there's the, the settings that, yeah, your, your iPhone will never be able to do that. You're, no, you're, you can't. First of all, I'm shooting these. I'm shooting these uh, from, the, from the stands. Yeah, yeah. I'm shooting these. These are done with a 600. Oh, wow. On a D5. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I like I've, it. I've been thinking about getting back into it, but I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, you, I don't know, you, you fall, I, I fall, I, I'm a victim of just practicality now. It's like, all right. <laughs> Listen, convenience. I, I, I enjoy practicality, guys. There's nothing I enjoy more than practicality, but I love my camera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. Paido Bukali Zubi. Uh, no, no. Yeah, guys, you know what, man? I'm looking forward to catching my pure mates in my Yeah, I like, oh, uh, doing the barbecue, man. It, but you're not the only one, man. Everyone is in that same boat. I mean, I think, and, and you know what? You know what sucks now, because we can kind of taste it. Like it's like we're we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccine is ready. Uh, you know, Canada's going to start testing uh, um, uh, uh, delivering the, vac the vaccine. So in the back of my mind. It's like, okay, we're all good now. We're fine. 
like hopefully by next spring, by next summer, we'll be able to kind of see some sort of normalcy where we can have the barbecues. And the closer you feel it, the more impatient you get. You're like, oh, come on, man. I, 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 I just want to get out of this, you know? George, are you going to be one of those crazies that won't let people come in if they're not vaccinated? <laughs> yeah. How do you test it? How do you? <laughs> honestly, I haven't. Honestly, as bad as this may sound, okay, I haven't taken it seriously at all. <laughs> what do you mean? Even at work, it's like I don't, a lot of people. A lot of people they they they're coming in like uh, or the mask and this and that. Anybody could come into my office. I don't care if they're wearing a mask or not. I'm not one of these. Oh, you know. They yeah, you're chill. You're chill about it. Yeah, some people, they freak out at work. Some people mm -hmm. freak out. It's like you pass by them and you're not wearing a mask and they panic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, of course. People yeah. panic. People get into fights in the street. Yeah. For me, People like, get into I'm, fight in Costco. I, I'm totally casual about it. I'm not, uh, you know what? Like, personally, I, like, as serious as they say that it is, I don't know anybody who's gotten sick from it. And I know at least 10 people that have had it and recovered without symptoms. symptoms. Yeah. Now, all the people that I know that got it, and it was a couple of clients, it was a couple of people at the office, uh, they all had the symptoms, but it, it came and it left. Yeah, it came and left. It, it came and it left. It was, it was, a, it it was, was like, a five day thing and it came and it left. Like, uh, not even a cold. Yeah, exactly. So, look, obviously, it hits I, people I know, a little bit different than others, yeah. man. But me too. I'm not, I'm not the guy who freaks out. I'm not paranoid. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll distance myself. I'll wear the mask just to make other people a little bit more comfortable, right. but I'm not, I don't go crazy with it either. Yeah. Uh, yeah like I, I wear my mask for other people, not for me. Yeah. You know, I have guys, they have the, they have just like the, their hands are cracking open from the, you know, <laughs> like, that's George. Mask. That's George. <laughs> oh, really? George is bleeding. He's bleeding now. You can't yeah. see his, his, his hands are bleeding. Yeah. I had one girl, she comes up to me from work, uh, one hour p.m. She goes, George, she goes, I think this year, she goes, my hands had more alcohol than I did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but this is the mistake also, right? With all these hand sanitizers, you're destroying the, um, uh, yeah, what's it called? I mean, there's a, there's a scientific... Um, uh, thing behind i mean you you kill all the antibodies i mean you it's actually worse for you to be taking the the hand sanitizers than just rather washing your hands with Whoa. soap right i don't know i don't know there's a lot of theories I mean, on that man but that's one of them a lot of people believe that it's like you need you need the bacteria first of all it it's a planet of bacteria there's more bacteria than humans so it is a planet of bacteria and you need it to form so you can't kill it off but there's a lot of germophobes out there man yeah, and the, the, and you know what? They've made a correlation. The more germophobes you have, the more people that clean everything, right? Well, the more allergies you get later. There's been a correlation on that. So yeah, there is this a such thing called the herd immunity. There is like a thing called build those antibodies, yeah. but at the same time, this is different. This is a virus, so. That, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, it's unknown, right? We don't. We we have no idea. In, at least in the beginning, how this thing came about. And uh, even now with the vaccines, like, uh, is there going to be any side effects or not? Everybody's looking to see what's happening in the UK because they've, they've already started uh, their vaccines over there. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Zubi, would you take it? Guys, you know what? Honestly, knowing what I know, and because I have a little bit of a background in, uh, in the medical field, uh, I'm concerned about, I would take AstraZeneca because it's a conventional vaccine. I'm a little concerned with the mRNA. 
the mRNA is something that I haven't seen before. It's something that hasn't been proven nor tested. Uh, it concerns me somewhat because when does the body turn off and stop making these antibodies? How long is this mRNA going to be viable in your body? There's a lot of questions that we still don't know about. And it's very early. Like, I'm not 100% comfortable. That's it, man. It came, it came too fast. Even the clinical trials and all Forget that. Forget about it came too fast. If it came too fast, it was a conventional vaccine. Like right now, AstraZeneca came out with a vaccine. It's a conventional vaccine, and they say it's 70% effective. I would much rather take the AstraZeneca, which is a conventional vaccine, because we know that your body is going to produce, like a, a conventional vaccine is an attenuated strain of the actual virus. So it's a virus that does not harm you. Okay, it's the, it's the actual proteins of the virus that, that don't that are manipulated in such a way that it won't harm you. Okay, these are put into your body. Your body recognizes this as a foreign substance and starts to build antibodies against it. So then when the real virus comes in, okay, it goes and attacks. Mm -hmm. okay? mm -hmm. now, in the situation, in the case of mRNA, they're giving the genetic code to your body that's going to go directly into your cells. It's going to be decoded and reproduced by ribosomes within the cells. Okay, when this is done, guys, okay, you're producing what they're injecting into you. And these guys have manufactured this. They coded it. What if they coded it wrong? What if this code that they're injecting into you affects other cells? Okay, it has binding capacity to other cells. There's a lot of that, things. That, that is always the risk, though. There's always that kind of risk, yeah. Okay, but not in a situation where we have a conventional vaccine. And that's why, like, I'm more comfortable with the AstraZeneca, but you never know what they're going to give you. So now, but uh, they said the, the one from Pfizer got uh, approved. Which one's that? That's it has not mRNA. Right now, yeah, that's mRNA. The only one that's a conventional vaccine is AstraZeneca. And AstraZeneca, they're claiming to for it to be 70% uh, effective, as opposed to the others who are 95 and 94. I don't know. I'm going to wait. I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine, but I'm definitely going to wait as much as I can. But, but I'm not, guys, I'm pro-science, okay? I'm a man of science. I, I've grown up in the sciences. Uh, you know, like, like uh, I'm not in the medical field right now, but I, I was in the medical field for the longest time. Uh, I've spent all my life studying sciences. I believe in a vaccine. Okay, am I excited about this? It's uh, it, it is. It's an exciting new technology. But would I be the first in line to take it? No. Me neither. Yeah. But see, look, the positive thing, especially for the people that are a little uh, doubtful, is that there's no way that you can even be in front of the line. I mean, like there, 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 there's so many priorities that have been set right now. Where yeah, know, but that's not enough of a mass. Yeah, but it's, like, uh, it's very little people. Yeah, but the staff, hospital people, it's not enough. Yeah, but it's not only here, it's all over the world. Guys, so, I mean, you're going to have eventually a huge pool of people to see, okay, what happened in the UK, what's going to happen in Canada, the you know, US, or in the other countries. The problem with this, George, is that you're not going to find out very quickly. So, by the time you do find out, if anything goes wrong with this, okay, we're all going to be too deep in. All right. To dig them out. So, we could do a lot more damage to the, to the world's population by by this than the, the, the actual virus itself okay me too i'm on, I'm on a fence with that me too i'm, I'm not i haven't made no, up my mind if they you told, need to read about it if they told me uh you could get vaccine if you could get the vaccine and you could go tomorrow and go get the astrazeneca which is a conventional vaccine i would go no problems let's go okay for the mrna i'm hesitant but is the other one available or they're just going with pfizer now the other one I think is approved. No, it's everybody's vying, like everybody's looking for a market share because they want to roll this out and get everybody vaccinated. So uh, it's whoever, who, like again, it's the, the 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 laws of Greek driving. Whoever gets to the corner first turns. 
Okay, right now, <laughs> it's whoever could produce the most and how fast they could produce it and how fast they could get it out there. Yeah. So that's gonna, the danger. That's the yeah, danger. Yeah. So you know what? If AstraZeneca is not capable, like if, if they're capable of producing to the tune of 20% and they catch 20% of the market, that's going to be AstraZeneca's like market share. You know, and they're going to what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you want that one, is there a way for you to get it, or are they going to be like, look, no, this is the only one available? I'm not sure. I don't think so. To be truly honest with you, when they start vaccinating, they're going to vaccinate with whatever's available at the time. So it's whoever comes to the plate first with the with the vaccine. That's what you're taking. And if you're forced to take it, you're going to take it. And you know what? If you want to go to Greece next year, I guarantee you, they're going to make you take it. Yeah. You, you think? Know, yeah, oh yeah. The, the only thing they're not going to do is put a barcode on your forehead that says back to vaccinated. <laughs> well, I, I heard news coming out of Greece, uh, the, uh, uh, was it two weeks ago, where the prime minister said that if ever you want to travel, you need to be vaccinated. But that's for Greeks. What will happen for the tourists? I mean, they can't... It's really all the same. Them. It's all the same. They won't let you in. If they're gonna if they're gonna stipulate that for the Greeks, do you think they're gonna let you in if you're not vaccinated? Yeah, but man, it's a tourism. I disagree. Yeah, me too. I don't I don't agree with I that. Mean, I mean like look what, happened, look what happened this summer. I mean the guy and it was very smart, you know, for the, the, the Greek prime minister. He he made uh, uh, he made these uh, what they he called him the tourism pathways or whatever the hell he called him. He went to the countries that brought the most tourists to Greece. So he did it with Australia, he did it with Canada uh, in the US. And uh, they had agreed that if you have travelers coming to Greece, they should be tested before they leave. And we will test them upon arrival and vice versa. Before they leave from Greece to come to your country, we will test them here. And then whenever, whenever they arrive there, you can do whatever you want, you know. And uh, they did that specifically because they relied so much on tourism, right? And that was like, kind of like a, a safe uh, and trusted kind of pattern that they came up with. But when it comes to this, how can Greece tell you you got to be vaccinated to come here? Like, I don't know. I, I don't see it. Maybe maybe they will test you. Maybe they will still impose the test and make sure that you're... you're That's fine. I'm, I'm okay with the test. Guys, I did the test. I kid you not. For me, it was a most painful experience. Oh, get out. <laughs> Guys, they take this Q-tip. It's a fine little Q-tip. They put it in your nose and it comes out of your asshole. <laughs> I was driving, guys. I kid you not. Okay, I was driving. Like I, I did this at the uh, Montreal General Hospital in the parking lot. They had a little setup. Okay, I went there. It's because I had a fever one day. I had like a serious fever one day. I thought I had it for sure. So uh, I get in the car. I go over there. I pull in. They tell me like because they they said that they, they you don't need a uh, you don't need an appointment. So so I pull in. When I get there, they give me an appointment. I go back home. They give me an appointment. Like I went there first thing in the morning because I want to get it done. So I go back. I come back home. They give me an appointment for like three in the afternoon. I go up there in the three in the afternoon. They took me right away. You fill out a form. You go stand. You get herded behind little uh, glass shelters from one to the other to the other. Then you go see a guy. The guy comes out with a hazmat suit. Okay, take this Q-tip, guys. Take this Q-tip. Oh my God, it feels like you know. You ever jump off the diving board and you do the toothpick and you don't hold your nose and you have all the all the water go off your nose? Okay? It feels like that, but ten times worse and like you're drowning. Okay? Are you exaggerating a bit? No, no, no. I'm serious. For me, the guy ruined me. Either this guy didn't know what he was doing. Okay, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys, 
I you got you got the nose one or you got the mouth one? <laughs> the nose one. The okay. nose one. Put it up my nose. You put it in my nose, guys. I it's like your brain. It's like it dips into your brain. <laughs> I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was like I kid you not. I felt like I was drowning. I got in the car. I was trying to drive home, and my eyes were tearing for twenty minutes, all the way from the general to the house. My eyes. It's like I, I was still like I was still trying to recover. <laughs> so. If they need to go that deep into your asshole to get the fucking virus, yeah. what? How can it be so contagious? I don't know. I like. I don't know. It's beyond me. And then the, <laughs> I went on Monday. I, I started my fever on Saturday, so I went on a Monday morning, and I got my results back on uh, Thursday afternoon. Thursday afternoon, they called me, and Friday I went back to work. And I took my results and I put them on my door. COVID free. COVID free. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because everybody thought they were gonna die when they saw me. <laughs> this this was at the very beginning. I'm uh, I'm assuming like April. But no uh, no 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 no. This was uh, about three months ago. Two three months ago. Okay okay. Yeah. No, but I don't know anyways. what hit me. I came down with a fever, guys. I don't know what hit me. Like I came down with a fever, so I panicked. And I, uh, you know what? I, I started sleeping downstairs on, in the basement on the floor. So I took out the sleeping bags and everything. I was camping downstairs. Magda would give me the plate of food at the top of the stairs. I'd come up to the top, take my plate, come down. <laughs> like, a, like a fucking prison. Right? <laughs> put the plate back. Put the plate back. You know? <laughs> like like when, I, when the fever hit, I didn't know, man. Because I, I, Magda at the time, she was still working at home and I was going to the office. So you don't you don't know, and, and you know like as soon as I felt the fever coming on, I said, okay, let me exit stage right and separate. So I started living out of the basement. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. Look, I I just hope that there's brighter days ahead and much quicker than there's, later, be days. there's always brighter days ahead. It's just what do we do now? You know. No, but I'm I'm still surprised that they came up with because you know at the very beginning the first thing on everyone's mind is how soon can we get a vaccine and and all the health professionals and you know rightfully so I guess because of what the experience that they have they're like don't expect a vaccine within the first two years forget about it you know what I mean be prepared mentally for this to be the reality for at least two to three years and then suddenly nine months later <laughs> everybody's fighting to get the vaccine because it's out it's you know I agree with you guys I mean I don't know yeah, but guys guys don't forget like like I said this is not a conventional vaccine yeah the only one who came up with a conventional vaccine was was uh, AstraZeneca the others the the mRNA is not something that's been tested before it's something completely new and it's something that scares me somewhat yeah interesting interesting uh, I, I don't know the mrna for me it's like there's a lot of things that that i, I i'd be hard pressed to see somebody answer you're, you're you're injecting into your body and you cannot take it once it, this gets introduced into your body you cannot remove it okay and this is a genetic code that's going to penetrate and go into your cells it's going to be decoded and it's going to produce exactly what this genetic code why is it, uh, maybe you know this, why is it in two different shots? The, well, in two different shots, it's for you to, like, it's to boost your, your, your immunity. So they're giving you two shots of this mRNA. So yeah. this mRNA might actually have a half-life, but who knows what the half-life is? So by a half-life means that when it circulates through your body, maybe one shot is not enough and they're giving you two. But that, like, you know what? I didn't know it was a good two shots. If the yeah. mRNA is two shots... Okay, that, that was something that I was unaware of. But if the mRNA is two shots, it means that it does have a half-life and they're giving it to you to make sure that you produce enough antibodies to fight off the virus. 
Okay, which means that like my concern would be that if this actually stayed in your system, okay, and you would keep creating these antibodies because it would just stay there and it keep getting decoded and decoded and decoded and you keep creating antibodies and then it would be a form of multiple myeloma, which is a form of where you're, you're producing too many proteins in your blood and your blood gets thicker. And it's something that uh, like it causes arthritic pain. There's other, like, there's other repercussions. So, so there, there was that too. That, that, that was my thought of it. But uh, if you're telling me that they're giving you two shots, chances are that this is not, uh, this would never happen. Because it does have a certain half-life and it would go away in time. Okay, so it's much safer than what you initially... Well, you, if you're telling me that you're gonna take two shots... Two shots. Yeah, that's what they're up. saying. I mean, I don't know, but that's what I've been reading, that it's in two shots. Then, for for me for me that acts that's actually a, a good thing a very good thing it's very positive yeah but uh, uh, there's a lot of things I don't know you you gotta really look at the science behind it and not a lot is being published right not not a lot is being published you know like me I was looking to see like when when they first announced this virus. Okay, I was waiting for them to announce the shelf life. Okay, like an average, that like a, a regular virus, guys, normally has anywhere between a four and a sixteen-hour shelf life. Which means if it's out of a host, okay, and it landed on the table, okay, it, it, its lifespan is about sixteen hours. Okay, at sixteen hours, like sixteen hours, it's actually eight hours. The average. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say sixteen is a lot. Yeah, it's less than that. It, it, it's it's <laughs> actually it's actually about eight hours. It's actually about eight hours, and you know what? The majority of them are actually four before they denature, okay? Now, I was waiting for the shelf life of this thing. The shelf life of this thing was never, never, never posted until recently. And they're, t- telling, they're telling us now that this, is, this virus is encapsulated, which means it has a lipoprotein that encapsulates it, okay? Which means that it's, the, it's viable even 36, like 36, 48 hours outside of a host. And in some cases, they said that they've proven it to be like in certain surfaces, okay, that allow moisture, okay, it could last up to 72 hours. At the beginning, they were saying 14 days, man. Yeah. No, no, they never said that. Yeah, yeah, they were saying on certain surfaces. I, I, I never saw, I was looking at it. I was looking at it because that was the most important thing to see how this thing was going to spread, okay. Uh, they have it down now to about three days with the last stuff that I read on the internet, and then again, I'm really, I don't know how reliable what my reading has been doing, but I, at three days, it's enough for this to get around the country in an envelope. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, from country to country in an envelope. So you don't have to worry about somebody carrying it. You know, it's going to come. Whether you like it or not, it's going to come. Mm. But anyway, it's... Um, We'll wait and see. Hopefully, everything uh, everything will work out fine. And um, we're just thinking, we're just thinking about our travels next summer. I mean, that's uh, that's, that's our priority right now. I, I want to go to Greece too, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Let's um, uh, let's end it. Is there anything else, you guys? Uh, yeah. Are you okay if we end it here? Yeah, we're good. On a positive note, man. We'll see yeah. each other in Greece next year. Oh, okay. That's, that's good. We'll, each other. we'll all go party at the George's house and. Paros, here we go. Maliki Paros, guys. Ah, perfect. I'm in. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Once again, go follow us on all the social media platforms. Follow and uh, subscribe. Uh, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you all on the next episode. Yeah.